No matter where we face, we must face the moment of truth, baby. Another episode of the Stereo Bros podcast. It's your boy PL. What's up? It's Jazzy. And today we have the pleasure of having a guest with us, Mr. Fritz Charles of the Coin Gamma Podcast. Um, please say hello to the people. What's up, everybody? Uh, it's a pleasure and honor to be on the Stereo Bros podcast. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Fritz, as Jazzy said, I, uh, I have a podcast and a site called Coin Gamma, where I talk about cryptocurrency, um, investing, um, you know, just kind of trying to educate people on this new found technology. Um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of misinformation. People not sure whether it's a scam, whether it's legit, what's going on with it. Um, there's always something new, right? And so just kind of break down the topics in ways that people could understand. Um, and for me, you know, I, I learned the best by teaching. So I also use it as a way for me to push myself to continue learning. Um, on top of that, I do, um, I'm in technology all around. So that's what I do on the side. My day job is in mobile apps. So like, I'm like on the business side of mobile apps. So like, I, I'm responsible for working with the engineers on how to like monetize their app, how to um, grow it, right? So did that- so if I, I have an idea for an app, I come to you and you yeah, direct that's, me. That's, that's it, that's how I can make it happen for you. So right. yeah, I've been so doing that- I've been that having for, some ideas, so I'm just- I know you, I, hey, this, this is the idea. You know, quarantine time is idea time. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We got a lot of time by ourselves. So like, there's a lot of- you know, business business is all about solving problems. There's a lot of problems in this world. So mm -hmm. in quarantine, you're going to figure out cool ways to solve it. What's, um, the, what's the wildest app idea someone has ever approached you with? Oh, man. That is um, the wildest. That's a good question. OnlyFans I mean, mobile seen, app? <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> OnlyFans mobile app? OnlyFans mobile app. You know, it's funny. So the, the the mobile so my day job is at a company called Universe. So basically, we're like Squarespace on your phone. So you can build a website on your phone, mm -hmm. and you know it's free. Uh, if you don't care about, if you want to use our domain, it's free. If you want your own domain, you got to pay. The thing with websites is it's almost like remember Tumblr. Well, Tumblr's still around, yeah. but not really. I remember Black Tumblr. Planet, all those things like. You know, once you allow people to create on the, online, like they're going to do all type of stuff, right? And one of our top users are actually OnlyFans professionals that use, basically they create landing pages and then push people to the OnlyFans. Uh, uh, so like they'll have an IG and then they'll make a, make a page 
and then they'll you know try to sell well, themselves. Oh, so it doesn't more, directly say OnlyFans such and such, so you could be. No, nah, I don't. Only it don't it don't say that. But yeah, so funny that industry is is pretty popular amongst our mobile app use case. I be um, knowing, see, I be knowing. Yeah, no, 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 sure, man. Like, I mean, this. I mean, we could take that conversation deep. Like, that platform makes a lot of money, especially right now. I want to hold off on money. that. I want to hold off on that because later on in. <laughs> In the pod, we're going to give you like a whole segment to just like do what you do. Um, yeah. I don't want to get too far off the agenda and all that, but nah, it's a pleasure having you here. Um, you know, it's great to swap in one Haitian for another. Hashepsu, you know, <laughs> keep her in your thoughts and prayers. She had a lot going on right now, but she has assured us she'll be back ASAPery. So in the meantime, yeah, I was looking forward to uh, connecting with her. So hopefully, y'all bring me back and maybe I could connect yeah. with her. Absolutely. I know I, uh, yeah, we we both Haitian, but those are big up. shoes to fill. So I hope I, I hope I do my best. You got to open that right to pull back up, but I need all my Haitian folk to pull up with some black rice, man. I'm tired of feeling like I'm begging when I'm asking for fish patties and black rice, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. It's not white, man. <laughs> but. We're gonna jump right into it. Uh, our first, our first segment is things we miss about Brooklyn. And our common connection uh, is that we went to high school together, and we went to high school in Brooklyn. What up? Right, figurey facts. So, um. I wanted to give our guest the opportunity to talk about some of the things that he misses about Brooklyn. Uh, okay, bet. So you know, I'm I'm from Queens. First off, I gotta put it out there. Um, you know, obviously, you know, being from Queens and going to high school in Brooklyn, there's always like this like almost little brother syndrome, like because it's like Brooklyn just got that got that <laughs> brand that Queens didn't have, and like you know. This is like in the uh, late, late 90s, early 2000s. It was before 50 Cent was huge. So it was kind of like a Jay-Z era. Like you didn't really- I didn't, you really, Put y'all back on the mat. Yeah, we, I didn't really have much to hang up on. So like, and obviously those are the formative years. So yeah, you know, as much as I hate to admit it, a lot of my formative years, a lot of my influence was Brooklyn inspired. So um, yeah, like, you know, Brooklyn's changed. Like I go to- downtown i don't see people that look like me anymore that's completely different from what it used to be when we went to school um so that's one thing i miss you know that you know being off of fulton and, and flatbush and lafayette and and seeing more people that look like me um but if i would say uh one thing i miss the arc the arc yeah the arc the arc the elite <laughs> Man, I don't know. I'm still here. That's one thing. I should be thankful for that. There was nothing elite about that arc, but nothing elite. Nothing not. elite, but I, it was plenty of fun nights, um, dangerous nights, but fun nonetheless. So I would say after I missed the arc. Ah, uh, no, that's good. Truth be told, I didn't really, I didn't really even go to like a lot of the teen clubs. Like a lot of my friends. Was, was like part of these dance crews and stuff like that and went to the Omni and the Ark and all of that. And I used to be like, man, I, if I go and play this wall and watch everybody, right, 
I'm gonna get my dubs on the wall. I'm gonna watch everybody from the wall, and I'm gonna know where the exit is. And that's it. Yeah, because I just never was really like that kind of guy that liked crowds. And all my friends, hence, hence Jazzy and them, was like super duper dancers and knew like all the moves and Willie Bounce and all that. I'm like, listen, man, y'all can keep all that. I'm a, yo, I'm a yo, wait, wait, but that's actually an interesting thread, though. What was it like being, especially now, era? What was it like being, you know, African American? And in Brooklyn, it's surrounded by all these Caribbeans that all want to like, you know, Willie, you know, whatever the dance was at the time. It was, that, you yo, know, the energy, that, I ain't gonna hold you. The energy was dope. And nine times out of ten, the vibe was immaculate. Like I remember going to a lot of parties and getting well fed because my godmother is Jamaican, so she used to have parties. I go over there, I'm well fed. A lot of older, lusty Jamaican women on my body. <laughs> Don't tell my moms that, cause. <laughs> <laughs> These is her friends. Um, but nah, it was honestly, it was good. And one of the best things I love about growing up in Brooklyn was that I didn't realize how many Caribbean cultures there was until I was like a whole adult. Cause I thought it was like Jamaican, Haitian, and other, right? Like mm-hmm. I knew the Jamaican flag, I knew the Haitian flag, and then by senior year, I learned like the, the GT flag, and then I learned um the Trinity flag. Right, um, right. And then I learned, like, the Bayesian flag. I married a Bayesian woman. I learned, like, St. Vincent, you know, all the mother flags, Antigua, Barbuda. And now that I've traveled as an adult, I'm like, yo, this shit is lit. Now I know why I come here with so much pride. And Aww, look at all our little jobs, American. All the jobs in nursing and construction and all want to buy houses because, um, no, no, it's cool. I have, I have, I have, Friends and a wife that's Caribbean, so I can say that it's fine. It's fine. There's good people on both sides, but nah, it's <laughs> it's a it's a great way to kind of like culturally diversify yourself. And I can move in any culture. Like I can be with the regular black crowd, African crowd, um, and not not every part of Africa. I can deal with North Africans. I can deal with Western Africans, Eastern Africans, Central Africans, because I understand everybody's culture more than they do sometimes, right? Which is yeah, why yeah. like I get around Haitians and I'm like. Where's the black rice? You know, right, 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 right. like, yo, who is this guy? Right? And then I get around. That's the beautiful thing about New York City is the yeah, diversity. That's why I'm like, I mean, I, I would like people to stop shooting right now, yeah, but nice. tell your neighbors to stop <laughs> shooting up. I need the them because they're really taking away from the great diversity narrative. But like, that's like you want you want your kids to be raised around you know yeah. different people appreciation for um, culture. I was just looking at the last episode of um, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations, R.I.P. Oh, man, R.I.P. Um, um, and he was saying, like, his last words were just like, you know, move. If every, if I had to tell you, go somewhere, cross a bridge, cross the river, just go somewhere and see other things. And I just think that makes us who we are, where you learn where other people are from. And, like, when you're forced to you know, learn about somebody different than you. Like diversity is so important. So absolutely, of course. And even now, like our babysitter is Grenadian, or excuse me, Grenadian. So, mm-hmm. you know, she was coming back with stuff. I'm like, oh, that's a crab back. She's like, how do you know? I'm like, oh, that's Lambie. She's like, how do you know? I'm like, well, a good friend of mine and my best friend are both hardcore Grenadians, and they jab, jab, and they, and I've been to parties with my mother-in-law's best friend who is Grenadian. And I walk in and it's like, 
and he handed me rivers and ginger ale. And <laughs> like, one thing I, I'm a fat kid at heart, and I also love to drink. So you hand me liquor and food, that's a wrap. And I feel like I've been around so many hospitable Caribbean people that um, I still stick to my culture, but I have an appreciation and a certain respect for other cultures because of that. Sure. And then going to high school like tech, um, I came to understand that, yo, there's there's gangster Russians, gangster white kids, gangster yeah. kids, gangster Korean kids, but also learn that there's different types of Asians. There's uh, Vietnamese, there's of Chinese, course. there's Thai, Korean, you know, Japanese, like it's a plethora of, of people and even white people, there's, there's European, there's like Russians, there's Ukrainian, right. like, so I have a, a very good understanding of that. And when I travel, I try to lead with deference and that usually gets me like really good results. That's what's yeah, up, I always man. thought, especially at a school like Brooklyn Tech, when you see, even though everybody kind of like filtered off to like their group, so yeah. like the Russian and, you know, Eastern European kids would stick together and then you have like, you know, the black kids on one side, the Indian kids on another side, and then you'd have like the group from Queens with like everybody mixed in. Yeah, I yeah, always yeah. thought it was good because I mean, even though you get like support from your group, but you're also open to other people, you know? That's true. That's true. Absolutely. Absolutely. So speaking of support for your people, um, if I if I had the copyright to it or a license, I would play Nick Cannon Gigolo, teaching R. Kelly. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Nick Cannon recently came under fire for comments that some people said were anti-Semitic. Um, and I don't raise these points to necessarily have a conversation about the merits of what he's saying. I think that people have to understand that when you have platforms, but you're getting paid by a certain company, um, you have to be mindful of what you're saying, regardless of if you think it's the truth or not. You got to be mindful of who's cutting your checks. And you got to be very respectful and deferential when it comes to that. Um, I heard the comments, and I think that what people don't understand about, you know, anti-Semitism is that it's not like um, there's like this super stringent definition. It's a pretty broad definition, right? And in a lot of ways, if you're publicly critiquing the actions of, you know, certain Jewish faiths and you generalize it, then you're going to be deemed to be somebody that's anti-Semitic. And I think I have like two main things that I think that we can kind of like flesh out. The first one is that I think that people of color, black people, aren't anti-Semitic. It's more so like we want the same kind of protections for ourselves as the Jewish folks get, right? Like, a super broad definition of what it is to be racist and then have that apply so that we have the same kind of protections. Like, I don't want to hear anything else about like black on black crime or all lives matter. I want it to be that the actions of a few black people don't represent all black people. Cause if you say that, okay, because a handful of Jewish people in Williamsburg aren't social distancing, that the Jews aren't social distancing, you can be labeled anti-Semitic. So using that same logic, if a handful of black people are shooting stuff up in Brooklyn, don't say blacks are shooting, saying a couple of young knuckleheads are shooting because right. otherwise that should be deemed racist. Mm -hmm. And then the other point too, along with that is that I think we have to also 
I, we got to be honest about the fact that the history between black people and Jewish people in New York City and in a lot of other neighborhoods like uh, you know Spring Valley has been somewhat fractured because of specific instances of things like um, the board being taken over and then people being bust out to Monsi using, you know, black, black people's tax money, right? There's the Crown Heights riots. There's instances of predatory housing and deed theft by certain members of that community that I'm not saying it justifies the rationale or the thoughts around them, but I think you have to at least acknowledge that those are at a bare minimum some of the reasons why some people may have the thoughts they have towards Jewish people. And because everybody hasn't gone to school with Jewish people and hasn't made Jewish friends, everyone doesn't understand the difference between an Orthodox Jewish person in Williamsburg or Midwood or Borough Park versus a Hasidic Jew in Crown Heights. No, you're right. I mean, so you really, with that thread, you're putting out a lack of exposure and lack of education. And if you look at any ism, you know what I'm saying? A lot of that comes from people not being exposed. So even racist, the people that you, who do you think of as racist? You think mostly like, you know, people from the South, back, you know, people that live in, 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 in you know, rural Mississippi or whatever, places that are not affiliated with education and exposure and diversity. And within our community, not everybody's had the opportunity to be exposed and be, you know, um, travel, uh, learn history, you name it, right? And so, but also what happens with our community, we obviously are economically um, depressed, right? And because of that, you end up in like either employment situations, housing situations, that are, are are lesser than, and then obviously in our where we live, a lot of the people that happen to be landlords, a lot of the people that happen to be people that are employers happen to be of a certain uh, creed and faith, and that's Jewish, right? And so you put that all together, then yeah, a lot of times people would you know adopt you know some of these thoughts, um, and so they, obviously they, like we're not, we're not you would say they may see them as oppressors. They would see them as oppressors, yeah. And then they would, you know, obviously hop on, on you know, maybe a anti-Semitic trope or you name it. Obviously, that's that's not what we think is is correct. But I think it it would, you can't talk about it without framing the situation. And I think that's what, I think that's what you're doing. And that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's fact. And then there's like a complicated history, man. Like you, you hit the head, Swing Valley, Brooklyn, from Crown Heights, even what's going on right now. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we, housing, it's, it's so, it's so many layers, but yeah, it's, and it's, it's been a tough history. That being said, there's been a lot of history that, that people don't know about that has been in favor, like, you know, a lot of, a lot of, so one thing that Jewish, a lot of Jewish people will tell you is that like, you know, rabbis used to walk with, you know, Martin Luther King, or like, they used to also know that like, all right, well, after they done with the black people, they coming for us. So like the smart Jewish people knew that they were j- just they weren't they were they were pr- pretty much looked upon pretty similar. Um, so, but obviously that's not all of them, right? So, it's it's complicated. It's kind of it's many layers to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think, 
I, I think when it comes to, we, we should not celebrate denigration of anybody, right? Race, creed, color, whatever, right? Um, but I do think, again, there needs to be a nuanced conversation. So the thing with Nick Cannon is he said what he said and then backed up and apologized for it, right? And I think, not to say that you shouldn't be able to apologize for something when you feel you're wrong, but the pressure to do so kind of takes something away from, I guess, maybe the knowledge, putting emphasis more so on the knowledge of getting you there to this new reason why you feel you should apologize. So like, it seems like, okay, well, you're apologizing because they just took your show away. Not because they had all this great, this this epiphany of ideas as to why you're wrong or whatever. And what was scary about it to me is like, well, Nick Cannon seems to have a lot of money. And yeah. or it seems is the particular word because, you know, it looks as though he has created somewhat of an empire for himself. So to see him feel that pressure so immediately was, I don't want to say disheartening because I do think he should have apologized for it. But I just didn't think he would have folded so quickly if he felt so strongly about what it is that he said and folded under the pressure of getting clearly his whole show taken away from him. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. You know, what's interesting. And I know we don't want to get into like what's right about what he said and what's wrong. I just think that him, Deshaun Jackson, Steven Jackson, and even going back to Farrakhan a few weeks ago, like we're in this environment of like trying to seek like racial equality. Mm-hmm. And it's dangerous. It's like if you start talking about white Europeans and white people, um, in like the history, most of that is driven by like Western European Protestants. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that's who you know basically spread slavery. Mm-hmm. That's who took over Africa. You name it, right? So when you start mixing anti-Semitism inside of it. Not to say that, you know, obviously there's some complexities around the relationship. They're not the same people. Like, it's not the same thing, right? And you're also, like, doing a disservice to this whole, like, post-George Floyd environment where we're trying to, like, correct things. I'm not saying that everything can be corrected off of, like, people putting black, freaking black boxes on their Instagram, but the <laughs> conversation is happening. And I think one interesting... I didn't see the whole Nick Cannon thing, but one... that I saw that clip that was going viral... There was a part of it that when he talked to, so he kept talking, he mixed, that's why it's probably, you can't mix things and that's why it's hard for people to pick out. But when he was talking about um, white people and like them being um, exposed to the elements and how that might've hardened them and what, and, what I, and so he goes and calls them closer animals. That's terrible. No cool sign on that. But if you take a step back, there have been books that have talked about, like, why is it that Europeans were the ones that went out and grabbed, right? Europeans, Europe, especially at that time, did not have resources, right? And you had a a whole group of folks that were, like, in that area of the world. And so they ended up looking elsewhere for places to populate resources, you name it, right? Whereas, like, us in Africa, 
or, you know, our Asian brothers and sisters, like we had land, we had freaking, we got farmland, like we had animals, like we had all that kind of stuff. So if you think back, like why is one, one group were the conquerors and the conquerees, if that's even a word, mm-hmm. I think he was getting into that thread, but it was so, it was mixed in with so much craziness and mm-hmm. all that, that people can't even find a thread there, right? Um, they can't got some Israelite talking to his ear, that real right. hot shit, because... <laughs> I, don't. <laughs> I, don't I think like part it. of the problem too there is that, um, and I agree with uh, Fritz's point is just that he could have said, you know, the bubonic plague and the dark ages in Europe was ended by Arabs and by Africans. Africans brought them out of the dark ages. Like they're the ones that gave them the modern Europe. If you think about it, right. There's so many things he could have did to, to be more, fact-based and i do think that when you're talking about the history of judaism worldwide there's a lot of ways that you can have that conversation that's not really offensive and is much more fact-based right like you can talk about the fact that a lot of the ghettos in new york city used to be jewish right like right like or the fact that um basketball was predominantly at first a jewish sport and it was it was frowned upon Right. And now it's predominantly black. So I think there there's interplay between our culture and theirs. And I think that there's things you can take away from their culture that's positive And you can use that to then have a conversation about things that you've seen or experienced that would say, hey, but I want to have a question with a rabbi or a leader and ask them, hey, why do you guys do certain things? Because here's what I've experienced. Right. Like someone knocked on my mom's door and I don't know, like, can you explain why you guys, or if you can, can you speak to, you know, why there's like a sudden land grab in Brooklyn or a certain land grab in parts of Long Island or Spring Valley? Like, can you speak to that kind of stuff? And you can have that conversation in a way that informs them while also letting them know, about the things that you've seen that you don't necessarily agree with, right? So I think a lot of times celebrities, and Nick Cannon isn't dumb, like he's been around, he just graduated from Howard, I think, right? Like, I think sometimes they get on these platforms and try to have conversations that they're not qualified to have. Well, here's the thing, let's talk about whether he's dumb or not, right? Let's- I don't think he is. We like, nah, but we construe like celebrity and wealth with intelligence, right? Um, and I'm not, I don't think he's a dumb as a person, but you're right. He, the problem is because he's rich and famous and he's, he's entertaining, made music, you name it. He has a platform. And also we are a group of people who are lacking, you know, in leadership and voice. Most of our, and so because we kind of combine voice, our voice is dependent on like celebrity and wealth puts it the entertainers and so we we get stuck with people like nick cannon speaking for us people like um lebron i mean i love lebron james uh, he hasn't really done anything bad yet but like would he like no no i mean listen i, I got i'm a big fan of his but like let's, it's let's, a lot of pressure. The, the brother didn't go to college and i'm not i don't think you need college but if you end up being in a perspective where you're speaking on like some societal issues, there's a level of education you should have. Um, not to say everybody, ha- I'm just using that as an example, but 
I think. Um, so yeah, he's not dumb per se, but he sh- because he has that platform, he's able. To, he's people. He he's speaking on things he shouldn't speak on, um, and yeah. speaking for us, if you will, and that's kind of dangerous. And the same thing with like you know like the the, the Sean Jackson these guys retweeting things and not knowing. Like I think I use my social media a lot differently, right? But I like I'm very cautious in terms of what I post, like. It's rare that someone can fact check me. I've had people try to fact check me. Like I post something like, oh, um, let's stop killing each other. And someone will say, well, actually, the cops, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The point I'm making is that you're going to incentivize them to bring back stop and frisk. I'm not talking about anything else but that point. It's like, oh, oh, I'm just, but it's like before, like I'm very cerebral. Before I post anything, I've, I've looked it up because there's people that I think, on social media, need people to argue with, and they always try to land in my DM or my comments. And I'm just like, I'm not like a debater. I'm not like an arguer because I negotiate for a living. So in my free time, I know that I'm not saying I'm smarter than the world, but I know that anything I I say, I've researched, and I know nine times out of ten, the other person has not. So I I I almost get offended when I feel like someone's challenging me on social media. Right. But I think that um, most people don't have that that thought process in their mind. It's just like, oh, you know what? I want to say something to let people know. And it's just like a Deshaun Jackson could have just did the research and actually got like a credible source to make a point. Right. If he's trying to say that. um, And again, like, I I think he quoted Hitler. There was no going anywhere. (laughs) like hitler and the name adolf like you can't even name your kid adolf without it being construed as like crazy and i think that that level of protection for them is great i want the same level of protection for black people but i think to fritz's point our celebrities gotta like you gotta chill fam like that's doing way too much i think last podcast i even said i like because this is the thing we have a generation of people that are not as informed as we are that really have no direction on what to think. And they look to people like a Nick Cannon or I don't know, a Charlemagne the God or whoever Uh, else. They look look to people like that for direction or at least a start in the direction of where they should be going or what they should be thinking, you know? But this is also, that's lazy though, because this is also the information age. You can go to George Carlin, Ricky Gervais's uh, Golden Globe speech. You got Angela Rye. You got I'm a Umar Johnson fan at times. Um, there's so many people <laughs> in the books. Yo, I, I I watch a lot of his stuff, man, and he's he's a funny dude, man. I mean, I got a lot of friends that are in. in I'm not gonna say I have a lot of friends, but I have friends or people I know in um <laughs> in interracial interracial relationships, but like. I do too. And his, his quote, his quotes on that, like keep playing. <laughs> nah, like it sounds about to crazy, but the point I'm making is that yo, we didn't have this, this level of, of of access to information. Like we had 56k dial-up modem, where if your mom wanted the phone, you had to get off of it. These people got the internet on their phones that can look up a lot of this stuff. So I think. Well, you know what though? Like, or, let's think about it though. Like, actually, you know, it's funny. I'm gonna use a because actually, I think a lot of all a lot of the misinformation and the stuff really is coming from um, 
uh, Farrakhan's speech and Farrakhan's like uh, address because a lot mm-hmm. of stuff ha- started happening after that. And mm-hmm. I'm also going to connect to the five percent, um, but I'm gonna use their teaching to what you said. Like, what is it like five percent of people awoke and know, or is it ten percent of folks like know but don't do anything about it? And then you have the eighty-five percent of just sheep, right? And that I think that math is real. Like that's why that's why you got people trying to come at Zuckerberg to save the country. They blaming <laughs> him for Trump being elected versus blaming the fact that people are stupid and read whatever is on their feet, right? Right. So like it's not something about us. It's just a normal thing. And it's the like it's, that math right. of eighty five percent is like for real. Like people do not. No, they don't. They don't own. comprehend that the comprehension skills are lacking. And there was a statistic that only like fourteen percent of the United States reads, or I think they they read above a high school um, comprehension level. And like that's the difference between seeing an article and knowing whether it's from a reputable source or not. And then, you know, if, listen to all my family listening to this. Stop saying. What you what you heard on Facebook and stop sending me Facebook articles. <laughs> I saw this on the Facebook, and and then presented it to me as like fact, like nothing against Facebook, but it is like if it says it's not even just them. I know I know Fritz of his hate. I know your WhatsApp be lit up. I don't even oh, have to WhatsApp ask. Oh, WhatsApp is crazy. I know WhatsApp, your oh WhatsApp, WhatsApp is crazy. be lit up with conspiracy theories and the video coming from who knows where with no with no fact check. It's just recent forward 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 yeah, and yeah. people forward things without even like reading them they just forward it or or yeah, or, or see like, yeah you're right i mean i think what happens is because we're in this information age misinformation could spread just as fast and if you package misinformation in a way that leans on somebody's like biases then it's then it's go time and mm-hmm. I think that's what happened um, with like Cambridge Analytica and um, Trump, and that's what's happening now with this stuff. And every group got their own thing, um, and so this stuff is our own thing. Like so, Deshaun Jackson probably just saw it on some story on Instagram, and he was like, "Oh, <laughs> you know," he probably thinks like, "Yo, like I, you know, George Floyd and all that, like black black pride, like I'm a, I need to do something." And so what do mm-hmm. I do? I'm going to like repost something on IG. And yeah, just he's just missing for, I, I, I mean, I guess my point is, uh, and I, I, I got to be careful what I say. I feel like so, a lot of this is coming from a good place. They're trying to like instill black pride and they're leaning on the more militant part of it. And with that is like just some misinformation that is also denigrating another group of people. And we need to figure out a way to like instill black pride without it being placed on top of other people, right? Oh, oh, Terry Crews, black superiority. Oh, uh, well, oh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. So that that dude need to be canceled. He's he's on the other side. He's a, he he is he's on the other side. Like what did he I, say? I, huh? He was like, we can't we can't replace white white supremacy with black supremacy. Throw yo, throw him all the way away, man. Nah, nah, nah. He's he's whack. You're right. You you. Thanks for catching me. I was I was going a little bit too <laughs> out there with it. You're right. I mean, I think 
I think he he had a problem with like people saying Black Lives Matter and and basically yeah, he did. And as I if think, it's, and I think this is different. I really do think it's different, but I also think like we're like you said, we're we're in a we're we're under pressure. We're trying to see our way how we you know get Black liberation, and it's kind of like well, who's who's in our way? Who has held us down? And you know, I know in the entertainment industry that is a heavily overrepresented industry of Jewish people. And I think that maybe, you know, it's easier for, well, not easier, but maybe these people reading things like this are, like you said, attributing past actions where they've dealt or been, been you know, money taken away, bad contracts, right. things of this nature, and associate it with the set of people, you know. Yeah, I'm thinking about. Uh, I'm thinking about. Um, Shreya Compton, uh, Jerry yeah. Heller, Jerry Heller, mm-hmm. um, or like how everybody hates all the Def Jam artists hate Leo Cohen. Yeah. Um, so it's it, it's complicated. It's complicated for sure. It definitely. But, is. I think you know to kind of round that out. I think that we got to just. It's okay to be militant, but we got to be militantly informed, right? Like I think if you want to lead with militant then conjure up the thoughts of Garvey or Mega Evers or... Yeah, I was going to say that. Like, Gar- Garvey is... Like, here's the thing. I'm all... Of, I, I think... I think we need... I think one thing is we need to learn from that group, right? And think about, like, supporting our own. So, like, here's where I want to see the militarism go. I, I, don't, I don't need people to start talking about, like, we're the original Israelites and all that. Nah, like, if you want to be the original Israel, let's talk about, like, the stuff they do. Like, investing in each other, building each other investing in their homeland and our homeland is not their homeland. Our homeland is Africa. Right. So like, here's where the Garveyism goes. Like, like we need to like, you know, go to Ghana. What you know, obviously we don't know our history directly, mm-hmm. but we know we are from that area. Right. So like, we'll we should from, encourage right? ourselves to um, support businesses that are from there. Um, invest in our, you know, our islands, invest in our neighborhoods in the U S you know, buy black business. Like for instance, like, what Netflix did as far as like put money in black banks, like we need to do that. Like for sure. Like I don't have any money in no black bank. And so that's sad. I need to have at least an account on one of these black banks. Um, Mm -hmm. So that thing, I think that's the energy that we need to do. We we buy, buy from black businesses, right? Like have a black lawyer, have a black accountant, have a black doctor. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm all, I'm all for that. Yo. And Along those same lines, we need to actually self-police and we need to fix our communities, right? Like, um, ever since there's been this call to defund the police, as we talked about last episode, and ever since um, COVID has seemed to wind down a little bit in the city, there's been like this influx of shootings. Now, we know that every summer is hot in New York City. We know that, right? But I think that there's a lot of knuckleheads that are using this opportunity to play into the rhetoric that without the police, we, like, we're going to be a lawless society and all the ghettos are going to go crazy when there's so many other factors that contribute to crime, like unemployment, um, lack of opportunity, lack of education, and the fact that people have been cooped up in the house for fucking three months. Instead of just saying, you know what, let's prove them wrong, Every time I open up my phone, either a cop friend or a non-cop friend is sending me a shooting, 
or I turn on the news and five blocks away from me, five people got shot overnight. And I'm just like, yo, like, y'all got to be extra dumb to be out here busting guns this recklessly and think that there's not going to be some kind of blowback. And then somebody said, well, it's the guns. I'm like, no, because upstate New York has a very loose gun culture. It ain't happening there. It ain't happening in Pennsylvania. It ain't happening down south. If it wasn't if it wasn't guns, it would be swords or knobs or or throwing stars or nunchucks. Like it's more like the attitude towards each other that is purpose. That's the the background for a lot of this this crime, and a lot of that does you know go back to the music. And I think right now it's a legitimate gang war happening in Brooklyn. I mean, it's not like a secret, right? Like I'm not saying anything that's like controversial. No, you, you really think music? You think really music? Music is making these cats, these young boys, kill each other? I think indirectly because, you know, certain artists associate with certain things that had nothing to do with them. Like, they're not from the original neighborhoods where these things come from, but they feel like because they rep a certain thing, they got to inherit um, all the problems that come with that. And it's just like, you may be super famous, but the people that you got beef with, you don't know their faces. So... That's part of it, but I also think that the music, like the drill music in particular, is almost like a warlike type music that makes you think about like doing certain things, and it's all about like hunting your ops down and and. <laughs> but imagine if they had like a drill song against white supremacy, like you know, and, you know like. I feel, I feel like we we, we we sound we sound like some real like. OGs right now, like I mean, right before I think, we started like record, I, I mean, the music. I saw a video of a Karen in Miami dragging two black women, like beat one of them senseless, and she's like, "Oh, you too," and beat the friend up. And I'm just like, "Why don't you have that same energy towards these other people?" Like, I'm not saying that um, race violence is okay. What I am saying though is that well, okay. So what you hear? When it comes to others, and I, I see it all the time. It's just like dudes just say, "Oh, if I catch an op, it's on site," and then the cop will will, will mush him, and it's just like, "Okay, officer, I'll lay down now." Like, <laughs> no, 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 yeah. I mean, you you hitting on a few different threads. I mean, on that last thread, I agree. Even Jay Z said, um, "We had that line like after they killed um, was that that triple X rapper." They're like, yo, in Florida, they're yeah. basically like, yo, how you kill X, but then Zimmerman is alive, like the streets. The Walking around signing like, autographs. Yeah, so like, how is it that, you know, obviously there's a, there's a desire, not desire, but there is a premonition towards doing violent things, but it's always against your own. So I, I hear what you're saying. That's messed up. Um, on the music side, you know, I'm... I mean, shoot, I'm 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 36, and I live a very suburban dad corporate life. You know what I'm saying? I listen to like a lot of ignorant music. Um, I'm not saying that it should make me do something, but I actually think that the music is reflecting the realities versus causing the realities. Like, I don't think like cats is listening to drill music and I want to do it. I think there's cat the cats the rappers are actually like in six nine as an example, the rappers is like somehow in the room or affiliated with these people, not putting in the work, but like hearing the stories, hanging out with these mm-hmm. people, putting it down on 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 music, and then whatever. And obviously, maybe 
it kind of like becomes a spiral. But like, I don't think drill music makes the kids do stuff. I think the kids are doing stuff and drill music ends art, up being a soundtrack. Exactly. I mean, I will say that I agree with that mostly, but in a lot of these songs, they saying I'm gang XK. So if you're part of ABC gang, I'm ABCK, meaning I'm going to kill anybody from that gang. And he put them songs out there. So then when they see somebody from that gang and that's causing violence. Now, not every single person that raps about it is actually about all of that, but that feeds into a lot of it because when you listen to a lot of these songs and you hear them dissing each other and talking about crimes that actually happened and talking about smoking a spliff um, named after, like, just imagine somebody gets killed and then a person that got beef with them said, oh, I'm smoking this weed um, and I'm going to call this weed dead guy, right? Like, they doing, like, really disrespectful things. Yeah, that's, saying, that's whack. That's whack. And you know what I think? It, I think there's all of it. The What they're saying in the songs, the music, the style, is it's from Chicago. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean... Uh, our young brothers need some leaders. You know what I'm saying? They need some some mentorship. They do. And I think, I mean, we grew up in the hood. We all listened to the same music. It was just from a generation before. I don't think it's in in content that it's that much different. I mean, maybe they didn't explicitly spell out all the gang things they were doing. Yeah, but, but let's be real. We're unicorns where we're from, though. But, and, and because the system set it up that way. Because we were... And we were identified as the gifted children. And I'm sure we all have friends that did not go to school with us that were just as gifted, but may not have been identified early enough or, you know, given certain the same opportunities as we were. But like, <laughs> I think about the people that we went to school with that were even in school with us drawn to that gang activity life. Like, would they have been as drawn to that if they weren't hearing about it in songs that they were listening to? And like, oh, okay, well, maybe this is the way I make money because no one's no one's rapping about becoming an engineer and starting your right. own civil engineering firm, you know, right, right, to get right. that guap, you know. I just think that you know some people that made, you know, I think the difference is we had more guidance in our home life, in our right. family from people to steer us one way versus listening to the mute. Cause you know, I'm, I'm at home, I'm saying all the same stuff, you know, in the mirror, you know, right. I'm not, I'm not like on Issa, the like Issa. I'm not on the corner saying those things, you know, right. and are you talking about, you know, seeing what's going on from the window. I was in my window looking at everybody have a good time on the block. You know, it's just, I think, I think that, you know, people, you know, like, allow kids to be exposed to a lot of different things without a backup of influence. And these corporate executives are the people that are anointing, you know, the next big person or the person that's going to blow next, you know, the, this is corporate that's, or, you know, and I, I thought that things would change when things became more independent where people are getting on now you know, with, you know, SoundCloud or YouTube and stuff like yeah. that. 
but it's the same garbage being promoted over and over again. And I don't know what's really gonna like stop that cycle. No, you're right, though. Stop that cycle is if, like Jay Z said, I want to rhyme like common sense, but I sold five mil and I ain't rhyme like common sense. I think if it was actually there's so much dope music that comes out from so many artists that you just never really hear about because what's pumped out there is the trash. Like, you got to actually look for good music most of the time. Yeah. And even the R&B, which used to be safe, the R&B is all about Percocets and Mollies and and stuff like that, too. So even if you don't want the, the drill music to find, like, good R&B, it's out there. You know, it's a lot of Ari Lennox's and um, Victoria Monet's and... Um, a long list of artists that are doing incredible things that don't involve, you know, drug usage. So, um, yeah, man, as we try to get to phase four, I need everybody to put their mask on, stop going to these pool parties and these big gatherings, because I'm not trying to do another COVID stretch. I mean, that three-month stretch was hard. So I'm not trying to be stuck in the house until Thanksgiving. Huh? It's going to happen. Listen, I ain't going back. I'm not trying to do another COVID bid, so <laughs> I want to be outside. Not Have your ass. fun now. Enjoy your little, you know, you want to eat outside at the restaurant while the rats run up on you as you have <laughs> your favorite slice from your gourmet pizza place. Enjoy. Because we will be slices, back outside really. in the fall. Nah, man. Um, I was supposed to go to South Carolina for a family trip. I had to cancel that. Thanks to Agent Orange 45 and his pushing a lot of these red state governors to reopen for his election. And I'm hearing now that the new campaign is um, anybody but Trump or better Biden than Trump. And I think that is good to hear that Biden's numbers are going up. I think that the main thing, and I've said this a few times, but I'll say it again. The main thing people have to understand about why Trump is so bad it's not just the policy stuff that he's doing, which is atrocious. It's not that he's underqualified. It's not that he is rolling back years of policy that was designed to do a lot of good for the for the country. It's the fact that he's putting in hundreds of federal judges into the bench or onto the bench that are then going to be over-sentencing people that look like us and are going to be interpreting laws. And then these people are also going to be rolling up at some point to the Supreme Court. So I think that his impact and, you know, he ruined the EPA. He gutted the DOJ. Like a lot of these agencies, like Trump is horrible, right? But I think for a lot of reasons. And I think for me, the main reasons are the ancillary or the secondary things that are going to have a long lasting impact. He gutted the, the, the patent office, right? And the patent office, the EPA, a lot of the, the federal agencies and the judges are the ones that really have a profound impact on us at like a, a macro level. The most important thing is still to vote for your mayor, your councilman, councilwoman, assembly, village controller, or those things that directly impact your daily life. But if you scale it out in terms of like the policy that rolls down and how that's implemented, that's like the DOJ, the EPA, and federal judges have like a very big hand in that too. So we got to get him out of there because the judges that he's putting in there are, you know, not it. 
I just read an article that he's doing a loyalty check amongst his federal appointees. So all those nice agencies you named, he's now calling all of the people he appointed to lead them to make sure they're still down with him. And I guess we all know what he'll do if they say anything differently. You added it. It's crazy. It's crazy. This with this COVID thing in him, like it just—it's crazy. How, crazy that mask uh, politicized. Like, like that don't make no sense, man. Like it just don't. Like, for instance, I just read that you know Mayor Keisha Bottoms of Atlanta. On a side note, like we are at an all-time peak of black female mayors of major cities, like uh, Chicago, New Orleans, D.C., San Francisco, Atlanta. Um, there's a bunch of other ones that I can't think of top of mind, but anyway, so Mayor Keisha Bottoms of Atlanta, a sister, she is trying to get masks to be the rule in, um, in, uh, you know, Atlanta, but the Republican governor is fighting her against it. In fact, he's trying to sue her for trying to like put that law in place against him. Like that's, that's crazy. No, that's, that's super trash. Atlanta opened up too early. So did Georgia. And people was like, oh, what spike? And now we're just like, nah, it's, it's getting out of control. And these people are willing to risk their lives, well, not their lives, the lives of their constituents just to prove their loyalty to somebody that's probably, even if he wins again, I think that people see him for who he is now, right? And I think that the fact that, that the Republican Party has people that are willing to be so complicit in ruining their states is kind of crazy to me i want to know is he like he has to be giving these people money favors like because the blind loyalty that they have to him it can't be just to be down with him because most of the party well not even most of it but like you know ideologically most of the party does not identify with what he thinks you know no no yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what people are thinking, because his time is up, and you still people are going to judge you for how you how you moved in this in this era. Absolutely. But, um. So definitely wear your mask. Keep keep New York free. Let's get to phase four, folks. Um. But now let's turn back to Fritz. I want you to have the floor and the platform to. Tell the folks about, you know, what what uh, Coin Gamma is, some of the work you've done on a variety of platforms, and what got you into um, the crypto space, which I think is a very interesting space. And also, if you can, talk a little bit about um, the potential of crypto, given that, you know, the U.S. dollar is not backed by anything. It's, it's a speculative currency, right? So, you know, the the power of crypto, the potential of it. And please also tell us all if we should be Forex traders or not. <laughs> all right, cool, cool. That's a lot. Um, so yeah, Coin Gamma, like I was saying earlier, we are a education and information platform for crypto, blockchain, and investing. Um, we, you know, we try to break down the, the, the concepts from like Bitcoin and all the other cryptos and even like blockchain, um, and you talk about, you know, the potential of blockchain block, or crypto, 
I mean, one of the big things is the technology behind it and how big companies are using it, right? So, you know, IBM. Explain before you go into what blockchain is. Sure, sure. All right, so uh, let me explain what, crypt- what crypto is. So crypto is like Bitcoin. I'm going to just keep it a Bitcoin. Bitcoin is basically like, it's like Venmo or Cash App without Venmo, right? It's the digital money that I can send from me to you, but you don't have that third party. You don't have PayPal or Venmo or a cash app in the middle, right? But it's all digital. And what I all I need from you is an address. So almost, it moves more like an email, right? So like, I could use Outlook, you could use Gmail, and, and you know, somebody else could use uh, Yahoo Mail. We could all be in the same email chain. We could all email each other. And basically, this technology allow, almost allowed money in banking to be put on the same internet rails that an email is, right? You don't have, it doesn't matter who, who you're tied with, where you bank, you can kind of have it, right? And the question, and the real reason, the real issue is like, all right, well, how does that work, right? Because how do I, like, if you have a hundred crypto, like let's say a hundred Bitcoin, and you send me a hundred Bitcoin, who's to say that you didn't, um, you don't go and just, send it to somebody else and act like you, you know, who's to say that you don't just say I had 200 when you really had 100. So who's a truth teller? And the truth teller is this technology called blockchain, right? And what it does is it's basically a ledger, right? Because what a what is a bank? All a bank is, is just, a, they're basically like accountants, right? They basically could say, all right, since you paid that bill of $100, we're going to decrease your account by 100. Oh, it's payday? And we're going to increase your account by $5,000 or whatever it is, right? So what the, the technology behind crypto, blockchain does that for you. And how, how does it do it? The, the metaphor I like to use is that a bank is more like a Excel file that lives on your computer, right? Whereas blockchain is more like a Google spreadsheet where like a lot of people could edit it it's one place. It's a it's a dedicated truth, right? And that's kind of it, right? And so basically, what happens is the 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 Bitcoin blockchain has all the transactions that has ever happened in Bitcoin all together. Basically, it could it knows how much everybody has, mm-hmm. it knows how much everybody sent, and every time that it's um there's a transaction, it's put into a block, and then. All the all the transactions are are chained together. That's what a block is. So a a block is basically like a cell on a spreadsheet, and then the chain is almost like a row or a column of transactions. And then mm-hmm. and the chain is how it's tied together. And mm-hmm. so and then and we could go into super detail, but basically, like how do you, how do you know it's not going to be hacked? It's protected by cryptography, and that's where the crypto comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, so. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a there's a the whole a whole lot to kind of dig behind that. But basically, it's a technology that allows people that may not trust each other to trust each other. That's it. That's basically the base. That's the basics of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, um, but yeah, but what's happening is you can use that obviously for money, but you can use that for other things. So, like Facebook is trying to use their, t- their technology to do their own thing called Libra, which is almost like their own crypto. People are thinking that they're going to put Libra inside of WhatsApp. We'll see what happens with that. Um, <laughs> IBM has been doing something with uh, with blockchain. 
Um, Walmart has been using blockchain to track like shipping, right? And so it's really it really works very well when even in corporations that want to talk to other corporations and they may not want to they may not trust it. I guess that's one side of it. Um, with the crypto itself, do I ever think like people are going to start using that money like to like buy, you know, um, beef patties at Golden Crust? I don't know, right? Um, yeah. It's going to take a lot for that to happen. Um, but what I, the, what attracted me to the space is um, on that same lens of Golden Crust, um, my family's from the West Indies, Haiti to be exact, like you guys said, and I grew up with people sending money back home um, via Western Union, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I saw this, I was like, wow, like you could just send money to somebody in Haiti, Nigeria, you know, Afghanistan, whatever, in seconds, no middleman, no gatekeeper, you can really make it happen. So I think international payments could be pretty, really interesting. Um, that's probably what I think is it has the most um, uh, potential in the space. Mm-hmm. I think the whole idea of it being used as money, it's not only limited by people uh, accepting it, but it's also limited by the fact that it keeps going up. If it's something that, like, why would I want to spend, if I have dollars and I have Bitcoin, why would I want to waste my Bitcoin on buying this MacBook when I could use dollars? Because I know my, the dollars are going to basically keep its value, but Bitcoin mm-hmm. might go up 20% next week for something. I don't know why, but it may, it may mm-hmm. happen. So because it's been going so crazy, it's actually worked against itself in being a money. And so now a lot of people are just looking at it like a gold, like a digital gold. Mm-hmm. an investment mm-hmm. and you know what makes it valuable as an investment it's, it's a lot of that's like subjective like it's like do you think that it could have more value tomorrow than it has now and it's that simple it's it's, it's right. not really much there's not much like when you analyze stocks like you look at the cash flows and all kind of stuff that there's not not like that with bitcoin bitcoin is just like belief do you think mm-hmm. more people are going to believe in it later than now um so it's 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 tough but so um, do you think? But yeah, I feel like I went on a long rant. What? what no, <laughs> no, it was a very no, informative good. rant. Um, do you think countries may move to like a digital currency because of the ease of transactions in that similar way, like having their own, like you have your physical dollars and then you got your mumbo jumbo, you know, whatever for U.S. <laughs> Bitcoin. Yeah, like. no, good question. So there's a lot of um. Uh, there are a lot of smaller countries that are exploring it. So like Singapore have has kind of said that they want to look at digitizing the currency. Um, the UAE was also looking at doing some of that as well. Um, the larger the larger countries have not because they have more to they they have more to lose by trying to create something that's competitive to their fiat, their main thing. But Venezuela had their own uh, currency in the past. Obviously, they introduced that when their country was going, like their economy was going to shit. And so a lot of people looked at it as like a scam. They didn't really believe it. But like they had something called the Petro, which is backed by um, oil revenues. Mm. So there's a lot of ex- experiments. To be honest, though, we still, we're still in this, I like to call it like an academic phase of this technology. Like there's no real stuff happening right now. Um mm-hmm. It's still super early. It's like the it's like the internet 
before AOL, before we was getting mm-hmm. those night those free AOL discs back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like it's still it's still in that era. Um I guess the question is if I was to, you know, for your audience, like why the hell would I spend time on it? I mean, you see the internet has gone to something. Um when at that time before AOL, people didn't know what the internet would end up being. So we don't know hundred percent what this technology will end up being, but it behooves you to kind of keep your pulse on it. And then also almost what no matter there's very few jobs or career paths where you may not touch it. So like, you know, if you know you guys are you know if you're an attorney, right? The chances that you may have a case where cryptocurrency it plays a part is are be becoming larger and larger. If mm-hmm. you are an accountant, you know, people have to pay taxes on crypto. People try to use crypto evade taxes. That's something that you could get involved with. If mm-hmm. you um obviously if you're a technologist if you're a designer, um, you know, if you do PR, like it's going to be part of you. It's going to be part of you. It's going to be just like it used to be something. It used to be a big deal for people to use the Internet at work. Like not everybody had to use Internet. A lot of people in the 90s were good with paper, like only like the IT department had to use a computer all the time. Now everybody uses a computer all the time. And so I think you're going to see that a little bit where like this technology is going to start inching into people's work here and there. And so. Just, just you know, if you don't put money into it, just staying abreast of the industry, understand how it works, mm-hmm. will make you more competitive in your field. Like I, like I think when I think cryptocurrency, I think you know, ghost transactions or transactions that no one, you know, you're buying organs on the black market or something with your million dollars in Bitcoin or whatever happens. So like. I don't know how, what do you think is going to take to like normalize the use of it? Yeah. So that is what people think. Um, Cause th- you're right. So here's the thing. All technologies work like that, right? Like the internet was really big amongst nefarious folks in early days. Um, and then like all the newest technology actually gets pushed in two different categories is usually by um, adult bit like porn or prostitution or uh, video games. So all new technology. So VR, like the, mm-hmm. the porn industry and the video game industries are very far ahead of that mm-hmm. video streaming. It was porn in the video. And now we're doing zoom. Right. So like that had to come. So any new technology nefarious, I mean, I don't want to be, Adult workers or we're all all, work, all workers matter anyway. Right. So, <laughs> so yes, you're right. It's the adoption and the early use cases for nefarious stuff. Um, but that's just how it works. Over time, it's going to be more legitimate. I don't mm-hmm. know what that full legitimate usage will be, but it has to happen for crypto to be, you know, mm-hmm. big. Um, that be on, on the other side though, like people think you could do everything with cryptocurrency. Like what I said earlier, like blockchain, like you could the feds could see everything you're doing. They just need to do some work to figure out if that weird like 16-digit hexadecimal number is you. And it's and it's becoming easier and easier for them to figure that out. In fact, you the biggest use case of crypto was a exchange called Silk Road, and people were like ordering murder hits, buying organs like you talk about, 
crazy drugs by mail, all that. Um, mm-hmm. It was a crazy. It's a book. Actually, funny enough, one of the federal agents that um, that uh, that um, solved that case went to Brooke. But anyway, that's a, that's neither in my alma mater. So I just plug that in. But <laughs> um, the uh, anyway, the the reason why they were able to uncover it is because they were able to start tracking the people to real people because eventually you needed to take that crypto and make it into something real. And so like, once you do that, you flip it to dollars or Canadian dollars or yen or whatever. Now it's like, Oh, we got you. And then because it's a chain, we could just go, we could just do it all matter where it came from. So yeah, actually, if you want to be a criminal, like dollars, cash is still your best bet. Like do your dirt in cash. <laughs> Don't do it in Bitcoin. <laughs> that was super informative i've seen you give similar thoughts on earn your leisure but i have to say that um every time you speak about this topic it becomes like even more informative and i learned something each time so that was definitely uh super super informative so definitely much appreciated on that um it's a great time to get into some new music um my song selection for this week is by the Brooklyn boy, Corey Finesse. It's called Trusted You. Here's that. Fuck that. She was a dime, but I dubbed that. Couldn't believe all the shit I was hearing. They asked me how could I cuff that. All I wanted was honesty and an apology. Wish I could get all my love back. I know I can't, but fuck that. You'll never see me again. I'm way too young to be stressing. Never pull up for money, you baby. You taught me a lesson. Back in my bag, I done did it again, you know Corey Finesse All on my own, me and my little weapon Think it's time to let it go Don't wanna see you at my show anymore I don't wanna see you little Okay, who is next? Oh, that would be me My song for this week is Wait, I thought of it before What's my song this week? Oh, Amy Winehouse. I was watching her um, documentary on uh, Netflix. Mm-hmm. Why? Oh, wait. What? <laughs> PNL is making faces. Why are you making faces? No comment. No comment. No comment. No, no comment. I don't wait. Well, no, no comment. comment. No, I want another comment. I have, no, no. I, I literally have no comment. May she rest in peace. Okay, anyway, um, I liked her song, Love is a Losing Game, so tragic, tragic end to a complicated uh, person. I guess I, I'm gonna have to throw out um, probably one of my favorite rappers right now, a rapper by the name of Freddie Gibbs, um, and uh, I guess a song would be uh, something to rap about. It's him and Tyler the Creator on the song. Okay. 
take control of me Sir, the peace Caprice ain't got no heat, man, it was cold, G Record labels down me, 40,000 on my first advance Fucked up on my taxes, IRS got me your payment plans Crime fucking pays, but once you paid, you gotta pay the man Straight survival, right hand on the Bible, I won't take the stand Yeah, VL niggas trap it out Lord, let me hit this hoe, so I have something to rap about Been through shit with hoes that I look back and I can laugh about no jokes in that cage, this shit was dragging out. Diego tripping cause I'm sitting, ain't no package out. He robbed a plug. He... I know he's beefing with academics right now, so I hope that uh that <laughs> works out in his favor. But I do like Freddie Gibbs' music. I haven't watched the Amy Winehouse documentary yet, but it's on my list of things to eventually watch when um I get a chance to watch TV. <laughs> I haven't watched Netflix in so long that I don't even know my password anymore. <laughs> um, don't worry I'm sure 17 people do though that's how right. it works <laughs> like, I'm watching for you exactly of course um, no listen it was a extreme extreme pleasure to have you on the podcast Fritz I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Um, oh, I it I love it it's a pleasure and honor you guys are, you guys are doing your thing you guys are consistent and Aww. informative Much and you guys got good chemistry so Keep it going. Keep Much it going. Thank you. Please tell the folks where they can um, find your content, like your website, your socials, what other platforms you're on, all that good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, Coin Gamma, um, that's C O I N G A M M A. Um, that's, you can find the podcast on all your favorite platforms. So iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Um, Coingamma.com is the site. Coingamma on IG is where you'll see a lot of like bite-sized content. Um, so that's easy. I'm on uh, my personal is also on uh, on all, all those platforms. So IG and Twitter, I'm Fritz Chain. So it's a play on my name and blockchain, Fritz Chain. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. You can find me, DM me, ask me any question. I'd love to, um, you know, I think this whole blockchain thing and, and crypto thing is super cool but i um i think it's hard to wrap your head around and so every time i talk to somebody i get you know I get, people ask me questions at different angles so i get another way to explain it and i get better at explaining it so you help if i can help you you help me too so uh let's 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 keep the conversation going and and last and well lastly i think going back to our main conversation around race and all that kind of stuff like we always last to everything. So like, like we gotta, let's not be last to this. Like, like, you know, I'm not saying obviously this is going to blockchain and crypto going to save, save black people, but like we, it's a new industry and we should keep a pulse on it. Like and, mean, and at, we, at this point, we'll take anything to save us. Exactly. Exactly. But also engaging it responsibly. Like, there's a lot of charlatans out here trying to push people to, you know, put their $1,200, Trump check into forex programs and crypto and all that. Like, what are people? What's the program that people are killing themselves because they thought they lost all these millions forex. of dollars? That's Robinhood. No, no, Robinhood is the app. Robinhood. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Robinhood's going. Yeah, like we're the market in general. Forget about crypto. Just everything is crazy right now. You know, it's hitting all-time records. Meanwhile, employment, unemployment is all-time records at the same time. That don't really make sense. So, like, tread carefully. Tread carefully, you know what I'm saying? 
It's interesting you say that. I was reading an article that spoke about there just being two separate economies. Like there's the real economy of, you know, the everyday American person. And then there is the corporation, um, you know, strength of the country based on, you know, stocks and bonds and Wall Street, which are not correlating at this moment. Right, right, right. So yeah, but thanks for joining us, Fritz. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. On that note, over and out. No matter where we face, we must face the moment of truth, baby.